We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast on a Saturday here for a Q&A with my guy, Alex. Uh, It's just the two of us today. Tyler is uh, proctoring the SAT today, so uh, he gets to spend the day with uh, some high school kids. Uh, We get to spend the day, the two of us, watching football, talking about football, so uh, pray for him, I guess. Send him some good vibes. Uh, Alex, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Or this morning? Hello. (laughs) How are you doing tonight? Um... (laughs) Yeah, fun fact about the SAT, uh, I was the last class that they had the 2400 scale where you had to do math, reading, and writing. And then the very yeah. next year, they switched it to back to 1600. So great that that happened. Uh, but yeah, prayers for anyone taking the SAT. I do not miss that shit. No, here in California, they're trying to pass a assembly bill uh, to get rid of standardized testing like that. So yeah. your uh, college applications are all just based off of your yeah. resume, and your GPA and stuff. Cool. I did all that work five, six years ago for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly right. So um, we obviously are here to do a, a Q&A today. Like, we, like I said earlier, um, we do have to talk about some other things first and foremost. So we'll have some um, other things to discuss here before we dive into some questions. Um, and you know, we're going to do our weekly picks, our chargers score predictions. Um, and then we'll also give some, uh, bolt predictions as well as discussing the latest injury news. So, uh, first and foremost, we do have to discuss the official injury statuses of JC Jackson and Donald Parham. 
Um, Arjun and I kind of discussed um, a little bit of JC Jackson's uh, situation, but um, Brandon said he did say yesterday that he is participating in position drills. Um, it sounds like he's relatively healthy. They're just trying to make sure that they are um, not going to rush him back and make sure that he's in a proper condition before he's playing games. Of course, he hasn't practiced for the last three weeks. Um, I still think that he's probably not going to play on Sunday. He is technically a game time decision. Uh, but Alex, where are you at with JC potentially playing or not playing? I don't think he's going to play Sunday. And I also don't think he's probably going to play Thursday either. I think they hold him until week three. You know, we bring up obviously him not practicing in three weeks at this point. Um, I would be pretty surprised if they feel like he can't go Sunday, but then he can go Thursday on that quick turnaround. But yeah, um, yeah Chargers are going to obviously miss him for this game. Donald Parham, uh, I I think they'll, they're they kind of going to miss him too because he usually plays pretty well against the Raiders, has always kind of had success against them. Uh, so him dealing with that injury also kind of stinks, especially with how he's a pretty decent blocker himself. But I think Gerald Everett mm-hmm. uh, McKitty can pick up the slack there. Uh, but yeah, pretty, pretty big loss with JC Jackson, especially, you know, given that the chargers are a little thin on like the margin for error. Um, I still think obviously they will beat the Raiders, which we'll talk about when we get to our predictions, but, um, not something that I guess should be happening right now. If they had decided to get that procedure done, you know, two weeks earlier. Yeah. You know, it's a little frustrating. Obviously we wish we would, uh, be able to see JC play this week. Um, you know, again, I, I think he's just a, a math changer. He's able to dictate the way that they are able to play. So, you know, they're going to have to make some adjustments, right? I still think you can, you know, rely upon Bryce Callahan on Hunter Renfro. You, you'll be able to have at least some success with, you know, of course, Derwin covering Darren Waller, although that's not going to be able to happen, be happening the whole game. So, um, yeah, I mean, it sucks that JC's probably not playing in this one. And we'll see about next week. I, I, tend to agree that he's probably out next week as well given the short turnaround but you know stranger things have happened um in terms of donald parham i think the interesting thing is obviously going to be which tight end they elevate from the practice squad because it, it seemed to it, it seemed that brandon Staley kind of indicated that there was a setback with donald parham either last week or this week uh which is kind of why this has kind of uh dragged on a little bit longer than everybody kind of thought because it's been I think he got injured. He injured his hamstring, like hamstring, like the at the tail end of the second week of training camp, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, it's been a while for him, and so I'm kind of thinking that maybe the signing of Richard Rogers is is kind of the indication that he would be the choice to uh, be elevated from the practice squad. Although that makes me kind of nervous from a blocking perspective because Richard Rogers and Gerald Everett are not necessarily great blockers by any means i think they're fine but um i think you obviously want some uh some of the receiving ability that you lose with donald parham as well so um kind of in a pickle choosing between richard rogers and hunter Catmoyer to replace donald parham i think it would probably be richard rogers um you know i mean seems like a pretty targeted signing obviously we didn't know the donald parham uh setback had happened when they made that move but it made that move make more sense when we found out later um did donald parm go back to practicing towards the end of training camp or no because um, i thought i thought he did return to practice and then did he like re-aggravate it i don't totally remember 
I think he went back and was doing like individual drills, but he was never yeah. back and like if you know participating right. in team drills. Okay, yeah. So obviously something that is a not a great setback for him. Uh, would love to have seen him on the field, but I think for one game, especially because you have Gerald Everett and you know he's obviously your tight end one for the next two years anyway. Then yeah. you know I think you can get by this game with uh, Richard Rodgers uh, or Hunter Kempmoyer, whichever one they choose. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, this is going to be a big uh, Trey McKitty game uh, on offense. It's going to be a bigger opportunity for Michael Davis and Asante Samuel Jr. So um, I feel, like I said before, you know, I feel better about where the secondary is at um, without J.C. Jackson when talking about how it compares to what we saw in Week 18 from this secondary. So um, Michael Davis and Asante Samuel Jr. presumably both have taken steps forward in their development. Bryce Callahan, Bryce Callahan obviously an upgrade over Chris Harris. Um, although I will say last time that the Chargers played the Raiders, Hunter Renfro only had four catches for 13 yards. Um, so they 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 did do a pretty good job against Renfro uh, last season. Um, Waller has been kind of a mixed bag again because you can't put Derwin there the whole time. So uh, we'll see how the math changes there without J.C. Jackson and how they kind of you know defend Devontae and Darren Waller and, and Hunter Renfro. Yeah, um, I feel a lot better not having Chris Harris on this team. If Chris <laughs> Harris was still here instead of Bryce Callahan, I might pick the Raiders in this one. Um, but yeah, because that ooh, that final game for Chris Harris was not pretty. Um, but yeah, so I, I I think they can get by this one. But I also think that puts a lot more pressure, obviously, uh, on the defensive line to perform like we expect them to to you know make Carr crumble under the pressure to just get to them. Uh, get to him constantly because if he has some time back there to throw to Devonte Adams and obviously all these other uh, targets, Darren Waller, who just signed apparently a pretty big extension right now, um, you know that could be trouble for the Chargers. So I think if Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa and obviously the interior guys like uh, Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson show up against the run uh, and you know get to Derek Carr, then I don't think it should be a problem. Yeah, absolutely, and um, absolutely have to mention this as A. Martinez points out. Um, Drew Tranquil was put on the injury report. It sounds like that was mostly a precautionary thing. Uh, Brandon Staley seemed to indicate that he is likely going to play, um, but obviously something to monitor because he is uh, presumably the starter alongside Kent Kyle Van Noy. So, you know, if he goes down, then you're talking about like Troy, uh, Troy Reader obviously stepping into to some kind of role, Kenneth Murray stepping into a bigger role. Uh, so, very curious about how this linebacker room, you know, ultimately pans out. Calvin is still listed as an edge rusher uh, on the depth chart as well as a linebacker. So, um, you know, how everything kind of rotates at linebacker is obviously going to be something to be uh, keeping an eye on for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's the one position group at this point that we still have no idea how it's going to go yeah. outside of Kyle Van Noy for this game is going to be the starting linebacker and obviously Kenneth Murray's uh, coming back. Uh, we don't know how that's going to go. Drew Tranquil now injured. Really the only charger that we've seen play in the preseason, a significant amount at linebacker was, was Troy Reader um, mm-hmm. in terms of someone who's going to be in one of those leading roles. Obviously we saw Amon um, Agbangbamika and, and those guys play as well, but you know, I, I think that he is kind of going to be one of the more important players, especially if the chargers, can't rely as heavily on Drew Tranquil or Kenneth Murray in his first game back tomorrow. 
Um, so I'll be curious to see how it all pans out because I, that's, that's the one position group where I feel like there's just really high variance between the potential outcomes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and this is obviously, you know, an important game, right? I think, um, obviously Kaiser White was pretty solid against the Raiders in both of those games, but, um, you know, whoever was the linebacker too, if you will, in both games against the Raiders did have some struggles in my opinion. And, um, you know, a lot of that was showing up against the run and, you know, um, against Jalen Richard as a pass catcher, particularly in week 18. So, um, they need their linebacker two situation to be stabilized, to, uh, be able to stop the run all season long. And obviously, uh, against Josh Jacobs and Zamir white and all these guys that the Raiders have. All right, so uh, we're going to get to some of our bolt predictions here, and then we'll also pick the game. Uh, we'll let you guys know what Tyler has picked for this game as well. Uh, but Alex, what's uh, your biggest bolt prediction for uh, Sunday's game? Uh, I think that this is going to be uh, an Austin Eckler masterclass. Uh, I think we're going for 90 rushing yards, and I'm going to say 80 receiving yards. Um, I think that he's going to have some okay. big, big, a big day. I'm, you know, I'll throw him in for multiple touchdowns too while I'm at it. Um, I just think that the Raiders are going to have too many problems trying to limit other things. Chargers are going to have to feed Eckler, and obviously, we, there's still a little bit of weirdness, obviously, in the running backs behind him. Sony Michelle obviously is kind of quickly adjusting, but still learning the playbook. Uh, and you know Isaiah Spiller, who I yeah is gonna play, but still coming back from injury as well. So I think that the Chargers put a lot uh, on Austin Eckler tomorrow and asked him to uh, kind of carry the offense at some points. Obviously, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and all those guys are gonna be involved. But considering the state of the Raiders' interior and the Raiders' linebacker group as well, I think that they are going to use Austin Eckler as a focal point to attack that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think week one, or not week one, the first game between the uh, Chargers and Raiders last year was definitely an Austin Eckler masterclass. I think that is certainly in the realm of possibilities this in this week as well. Um, bold prediction for me in this one, I'm going to say Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson uh, combine for two sacks. Yes, I said Austin Johnson and Sebastian Joseph Day, not the pass rushers, so... Um, I think, you know, the Raiders are going to be in a really interesting position when it comes from the interior offensive line. And, um, you know, Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson have really taken the bulk of the first team snaps because they the Chargers have kind of been uh, staying in the nickel package. So I expect a lot of Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, and I think they do end up getting uh, two sacks between the two of them. Uh, very bold prediction for the interior, and uh, I my bold prediction is also that Jerry Tillery uh, sh- shows up to the game. <laughs> I, I think I think I think he will be in uniform, and I think he will exist on the field. That is my bold prediction. <laughs> so said in the chat, I have Tillery making half a tackle. He will be physically present. That's the bar. That's the bar for Jerry Tillery these days. <laughs> Oh my goodness. All right. So uh, in terms of this game, um, Tyler has this one as a very close game. He has the Chargers winning 27 to 24. Um, So this year we are uh, including our Chargers picks into our our records, if you will, for each week. So we're going to predict the Chargers game here. uh, And then Alex and I are each going to give our uh, weekly NFL picks as well. So 
Um, I still feel pretty good about this game. Obviously, I, I wish that J.C. Jackson were playing, but I, I think the Chargers on offense just have a, enough of an, of an advantage to be able to uh, come out victorious in this one. I think you feel really good about four of the five spots along the offensive line. You feel good about the receivers winning their matchups on the outside. You feel good about Gerald Everett, the running backs, obviously Justin Herbert. So I think the Chargers win and cover, but I still think it'll be a very, very close game. Either, you know, a uh, last, you know, four minute drive kind of situation. So I'm going to say Chargers win uh, 30 to 24. Yeah, I I actually have a similar score. I'm going to go slightly bigger win. I don't see it coming down to like the final play or anything necessarily. I think the Raiders probably might have like one more drive in them, but I kind of see it playing a lot similarly to the Monday night game from last year. Um, Obviously Mm -hmm. in the same stadium, uh, sort of a similar different situation. Obviously everything that came from the final game last year. But I do just think that the Chargers are a way better team and they've improved at everything this offseason that the Ravens, uh, that the Ravens, that the Raiders haven't. Um, and so I think that's going to show up tomorrow, especially when we talk about the Raiders secondary um, and also the Raiders offensive line situation, which is just a nightmare. Um, and yeah, I still do stay up a little bit thinking about Max Crosby and Trey Pipkins tomorrow. <laughs> um, but I do think the Raiders situation is a lot worse. I'm going to say Chargers 31, Raiders 23. Um, I okay. sort of see the Raiders maybe, uh, I see the Chargers honestly starting out strong and the Raiders, you know, kind of trying to chip their way back into the game a little bit like that Monday night game went last year. Um, but yeah, I just think the chargers have too much right now on defense for the Raiders offensive line to hold. Uh, and I also just think that when we talk about their Raiders secondary as well, I, I think the chargers, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, I, I just, I don't think the Raiders have a way to realistically, uh, slow down the chargers in the passing game as well. Yeah. And obviously it's going to be really key for the chargers to get out to a hot start. Cause then if you're um asking the Raiders to play from behind that really will allow Joey Bosa, Cleo Mack and, and company to you know pin their ears back and, and get after it similar to how we saw the the Bills with the Rams on uh, Thursday night so um I could certainly see that happening we have uh, a super chat from Matt Meter from a, a bold prediction he says more sacks from the interior than the edge I think that certainly is a bold prediction but uh given how we expect you know the the Raiders to kind of chip and double team the edge rushers i i I don't think that's necessarily crazy but i i do think it's bold i agree yeah um i could see it happening depending on you know how they decide to double team both those guys but there's no you know there's no uchenna nwosu on that other side anymore right (laughs) i mean it's cleo mack uchenna nwosu had a great final game against the raiders and obviously was good at points last year but um, you can't really double team both Mac and Bosa. And then, you know, especially considering how the Chargers have upgraded their interior as well. So the Raiders are going to have to make some business decisions uh, in that sense with how they want to cover both of those guys. And I just don't think they're going to be very successful at it. Don't know if it'll be like a three, four sack kind of day for either of those sure. players. But I do think just combined, uh, I, I don't think the Raiders can hold them. Yeah, they'll they'll be able to you know make their presence known for sure, and, and you know the whole team this week has been talking about being able to adjust on the fly, and being able to kind of make you know um, really be able to figure out what the Raiders are doing, you know, um, throughout the game. And so I I feel like if they are 
you know, going up against this Raiders team who's chipping and double teaming. They'll figure a way out to get Joey on the inside as they did last season at, at certain times. They'll figure out a way to, you know, use Khalil Mack on stunts and loops and games. And um, they'll be involved in the pass rush for sure. You're not going to completely shut out two guys like this of this caliber for an entire game unless you have like an elite offensive line and the Raiders simply do not have that. So um, I expect good games from Joey and Khalil for sure. Um, we also had a super chat from Tyler's mom, mom Shun. Appreciate it as always with the super sticker. Um, so we'll get to our league wide picks here now. And then after that, we will take some uh, questions from everybody. So if you haven't asked a question yet, uh, feel free to do so. Um, so the way that we are doing this is that every person has to pick a favorite to win. Everybody has to pick an underdog to win. Um, and then you can do either or, of course, for your last pick. So we each get three picks. Um, that's the way that we did it last year. Um, Alex, you want to go first with your uh, favorite of the week? Uh, yeah, I'll I'll go first. Um, yeah, I'm going to do it. Philadelphia Eagles over the Detroit <laughs> Lions. I, I, I just have to do it at this point. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't. I don't buy the Lions as much this year, um, even as much as Dan Campbell wants them to buy on hard knocks. But I'll say Eagles over Lions, uh, and I think they uh, cover as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, my favorite of the week, I'm going with the Baltimore Ravens over the New York Jets. Um, obviously, I'm very big on what the Ravens have done this year. Lamar Jackson uh, not able to get that contract sorted out. So uh, I think he's going to come out with his hair on fire and uh, really take it to everybody this season. Yeah, um, I mean he's my he's my MVP pick. Uh, I love that <laughs> pick, obviously, and uh, I think the Ravens do. Who? Uh, yeah, I think the Ravens do win tomorrow. Yeah. All right, uh, Alex, who's your favorite underdog of the week? Ooh, time to do what I did last year and buy time until I find an underdog. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go, I'll play it a little bit risky. I'm going to take Baker Mayfield's Carolina Panthers uh, over the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, Obviously, Deshaun Watson one. out. I think they're a uh, plus three and a half uh, in that game, which, I mean, I do think the Browns still are the better team and everything, but um, I could just see the Browns not being totally ready for this one, uh, given you know everything that's happened in their offseason. And uh, yeah, I, I can see either team winning this game, considering how weird it was. If Deshaun Watson was playing, would totally pick the Browns and, and not really think about it. Um, but I think there's that Baker Mayfield revenge aspect before his arm falls off again. He'll probably, you know, pop off for the first month or so of the season. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do kind of like the, the Panthers upset pick before they inevitably finish the season like five and 12. <laughs> absolutely i mean that revenge factor there is uh obviously going to be outstanding to watch um my initial thought process here because this is how my brain works i went through like the revenge games right and so i was really curious about what the line would be for the seattle and denver game i really thought about picking the seahawks in that one but i just i can't do it the seahawks are just not very good uh, so for my underdog pick of the week, I am going to take the Jaguars over the Commanders. The Jaguars Ooh. are three-point underdogs. Not necessarily a revenge game, but, I mean, obviously you have the Doug Peterson, 
Carson Wentz kind of dynamic there. Obviously, oh, that's Doug a revenge Peterson. game. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Obviously, Doug knows Carson very well, so I feel like he'll have that team, uh, that defense ready to play. Um, I'm not necessarily big on the Jaguars, but I think they'll be definitely improved from last year. I could see them being kind of a, a pesky seven-win team this season with Trevor Lawrence kind of uh, taking that next step. So I, I do have the Jaguars over Commanders as my underdog pick this week. Is that in Washington or in uh, Jacksonville? Uh, I think it's in Washington. Yeah, in Washington. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, it also potential upset factor if shit leaks from the stadium uh, <laughs> and you know gets all over the field, then that could cause problems for the Commanders. Um <laughs> But yeah, yes. no, I, I like that pick a lot too. I thought about going it for it, but I still kind of need to see it from the Jacksonville sure. offense before I feel comfortable picking them. Then again, I am still proud of myself from last year picking Urban Myers, one of his first win in the NFL and one of his only two that he ever got <laughs> in the London <laughs> game when they played the Dolphins. Uh, so oh. I, I, I definitely know what it's like to go out uh, on a tree branch there for, for those Jacks. <laughs> absolutely absolutely um all right in terms of uh our last pick here um where do you want to where do you want to go here alex what's your next pick you can go underdog or favorite Ooh, i could go for an underdog or favorite i'm gonna go with a favorite i'm going to take the new orleans saints over the atlanta falcons um i think that the falcons outside of kyle pitts really i just aren't that good uh you know you're gonna be starting marcus mariota um good luck with that experiment i think the saints are just especially a better early season team at this point they're getting michael thomas back we saw what Jameis did in the first game last year uh against the packers and what turned into a blowout there um i think he's going to kind of come out with his head on fire too uh and the saints kind of get to prove why they are a you know wild card team or even a potential division contender if tampa bay were to fall off um but yeah i like the saints over the falcons yeah, absolutely. That was one I consider for my favorite as well. Um, last pick here. Um, Arjun has kind of said this. Arjun has uh, one of his favorite bets of the week was Mahomes over on the touchdowns, um, which I think it was at two and a half this week. That was his favorite player prop. Um, Mahomes is fantastic in week one. I know they are technically traveling to Arizona this week, but I'm going to go with the Chiefs over the Cardinals as my final pick here. What's the line on that one? Chiefs Cardinals it is uh Chiefs by five and a half okay I you know that's about right so we'll we'll uh obviously let you guys know what uh Tyler's picks are he has to uh pick from the rest of the scraps now so that's that's what you get for missing the show (laughs) all right guys so uh that's gonna do it for the uh pre-prepared segments that we had so if you have any questions uh for the day for the upcoming matchup with the raiders uh please let us know bring your best questions here uh try and save the food questions for at the end of the show but uh, bring your best questions or (laughs) bring your worst questions just whatever you want to ask us but yeah try to keep it on the game (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely so uh yeah obviously time is now for questions we got another uh raiders fan in here so that's fun. Oh, I saw a super chat earlier. Hold on. Let me scroll back to it. Uh, <laughs> Jack H asks, is Carlos Alcaraz the future tennis goat? Uh, <laughs> and uh, this is the five seconds of tennis talk we'll get on today's show. But uh, I hope he, hope he wins the U.S. Open final, obviously, on uh, Sunday. But I 
don't know if he's going to be the future tennis goat because uh, I mean the three guys that are the goats right now are pretty good. But uh, Carlos yeah. Alcaraz is an insane player. Yeah, I feel like it's a very similar conversation to, or I guess will be to like um, obviously like the Tiger army arguments because everybody was like, oh, this guy's the next Tiger. This guy's the next Tiger. It's gonna be really hard for any tennis player to match up with Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, and yeah. you know Djokovic. What they have done over the last you know fifteen years or so is just kind of crazy. Yeah, you, you have to win twenty three majors now to be considered <laughs> to go. I mean, which is impossible. The only other person in modern history who's done that is Serena Williams. You know, so um, I I just think it's crazy. But I, I don't know if anyone's gonna ever have that kind of longevity again that those three guys have had. Yeah. Hey, did you get to finally watch the All In episode two yet? Um, I haven't watched the whole thing. I saw like the first five minutes where they started talking about the Nadal stuff and he gave him the jersey at Wimbledon. Uh, I thought that was, yeah, really cool. Um, yeah. but yeah, still, still devastated from the loss this week. Was really hoping <laughs> I'd be able to pop bottles for Victory Pink, uh, with Nadal winning the final and the Chargers <laughs> beating the Raiders. Would have been an insane show, but didn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think it's super cool that Brandon Staley is, is as into tennis as he is. I think like, you don't really hear that super often from football coaches that are just like really into tennis. So uh, I think that's really cool. Urban Meyer's into soccer. <laughs> I saw that um, the um, Fox game day show or whatever had their worst ratings uh, since Urban Meyer has been on the program last week. <laughs> I still remember that one graphic when he, he was like, what are the top four things that destroy like, football teams? <laughs> and he was like naming every single thing he did with like the Jaguars and Ohio State and Florida. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, Ty says, if the game versus Raiders is a blowout, what does that say about the charges this year? I assume he's asking if the Chargers blow the Raiders out. Um, I think that says that the Chargers are for real this year. So we'll see, I guess. Yeah, I mean, um, blowout which way? If the Raiders blow us out, we have a lot of problems. Trouble. If the Chargers blow us Trouble. out, then we have a lot of fun. Uh, so, yeah, no, I mean, I, obviously it would be a big opening statement heading into then the Thursday night football game next week against the Chiefs. Um, but starting with one of these division wins, I just think is so crucial, uh, whichever one they do get between the Raiders, uh, and the, and the chiefs. And obviously all of the pent up, you know, emotions and and feelings from how the last game went last year. I think that all those guys want to go out there and and perform. So if they get a blowout, I I think it'll mean that they were, they were pissed off with how things ended last (laughs) year, um, frankly, and you know, they are the better team. So I, I do think they can, you know, pull out a potential blowout. Yeah, I mean, we we know that this team can start the season off hot. I mean, they're four and one last year. Um, what we don't know is kind of what they're able to do in the middle of the season, right? And specifically at the end of the season. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, started out the season in, in a, you know, dominant fashion. But, you know, we need to see them prove it over the course of the full season. Um, Ozma, what do you guys think about Waller's extension? Seems like an overpay. I don't think it's an overpay at all. I, I understand, like, you know, we're not supposed to talk positively about Raiders players, but Darren Waller to me is absolutely a top three tight end in the NFL. I think you look at his, what he's done over the last two seasons. He was a little bit hurt last year, um, you know, didn't have as much success in the red zone, but I mean, he was a thousand yards, 100 catches in 2020, 
90 catches, 1,000 yards in 2019. Um, I expect the same kind of season this year, you know, maybe probably not a hundred catches, but I definitely expect him to go over 80 catches over a thousand yards again. Like he's, he's a fantastic player. I don't, I don't think that's an overpay contract at all. No, I, I don't think it's an overpay contract at all. He had two years left on his deal. So now he's there for five years. Is that uh, what it is now? That was my understanding of the yeah. way, the way that Ian Rappaport tweeted the contract mm-hmm. is that it's essentially he's there for five years now. Yeah um so i mean 17 million like i mean that's per year on a 51 extension like that's not crazy i mean that is what kelsey got about that's what about what kittle got i mean and to me waller is in that class of tight ends like that's the top three and then everyone else after that you know except kyle pitts who um you know can potentially get himself into that class this year is, is a step below that um but those three guys what they're able to do consistently just you know carrying their teams uh, in terms of their production um what darren waller does as a, a route runner you know he is i think really the second best in terms of yards per route run to only travis kelsey um in the last couple of years so that guy is a really good player um and clearly the best well not with Devontae adams anymore uh but yeah i mean he, he's one of the best pieces of their offense and it doesn't work without him. So I, I, I don't think that was even really a negotiation. It was just like, here's a lot of money. Um, so yeah, I think Kelsey and Kittle uh, and Waller are that top three. Yeah. And I do think Mark Andrews is, is in that conversation as well. I, I would still mm-hmm. take, you know, uh, what Waller has done over the last three seasons over what we've seen from Mark yeah. Andrews. So um, Waller's a really good player, man. Like he's absolutely somebody that, Chargers fans should be, you know, respecting as this matchup uh, continues. So we'll get to the next one here from uh, Tylen Sago. Of course, Alex, if you have a question you like, feel free to uh, post it up here. Uh, what do you guys think about the Colton Miller versus Khalil Mack or Bosa matchup? So um, it sounds like the Chargers are going to be, they'll move the edge rushers around somewhat, but at least in training camp, we've seen Mack basically rushing from the left side of the offensive line uh, going against Rashawn Slater. Joey Bosa going against the right side and whoever's been taking the reps there. So uh, it does sound like we'll get more Khalil Mack versus Colton Miller than Joey Bosa. Although I would expect them to kind of move around a little bit, but what are you expecting uh, from that one-on-one matchup uh, on Sunday, Alex? Yeah. Um, I don't know what to expect from Colton Miller. Cause I, I, I think overall he had a pretty decent year last year, but he's just, I mean, in his time in the NFL has kind of been like an up and down player. Um, but yeah, obviously improved last year. I do think he'll hold up better than people expect versus either, uh, Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack. Um, but then, yeah, the, the other side of that line is, is sort of a problem for them as well, you know, depending on what they want to do there. Um, I think he'll hold up okay, but I, I don't think it'll be enough to stop like the total product of the Chargers pass rush, especially with that interior as it is. And the Chargers can also play to that if they want to and, you know, kind of uh, move Joey Bosa inside on some plays or move Khalil Mack inside on some plays as well. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if they did that either tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, Colton Miller is a really solid left tackle. I don't think he's an elite left tackle, but I think he's right on the, in that next tier um you know the last time the last time Khalil Mack played the Raiders obviously with the Bears um Khalil Mack had five pressures one sack and one additional quarterback hit um it looks like he had two tackles for loss as well so we had a good game against the Raiders 
most of that was on the opposite side though so robert quinn was kind of the one who went more against colton miller um and in that in that matchup colton miller only allowed one pressure so um i think colton miller somebody you feel good going up against guys of that kind of caliber he played really well obviously against the and wosu over the last couple seasons melvin ingram as well but i think Klumak should be able to uh win some matchups here as well i'm just kind of curious i guess you know I've kind of talked this week, like I expect Rashawn Slater to be on an island all game long against Chandler Jones. I think you could see a similar mentality for Colton Miller against Khalil Mack. Although obviously I don't think, you know, Miller is in the same category as Rashawn Slater at this point. Um, but I, to me, it would make a lot more sense to kind of send all the help towards Joey and almost kind of dare Khalil to beat you in that one, I guess. I don't know. Uh, that strategy works until Khalil Mack has one sack and five <laughs> pressures, right? Like, so sure. I I almost think it's a tough spot for the Raiders just because I don't know what the, you, there's no way to really like neutralize it anymore. You, I don't think you can bet on like a Uchen and Wosu. Oh, he has like an off week kind of thing, and then you know send everyone to Joey Bosa. I, I don't think teams are going to be able to do that as successfully anymore. So. Um, I guess we'll see what happens, but it, if it's Colton Miller versus Clemac, I think it'll hold up decently well. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just still think the better player kind of wins either of those matchups. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't understand why these Raiders fans are in here. Like, I mean, thank you for the views, but like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Colton Miller, Rashawn Slater. That's Rashawn Slater without question. Yeah. Conversation to me. Yeah, I don't think it is either. Um, oh, interesting. I guess, uh, I forget who he switched to now, but I guess Waller's agent said it was Mm. one of the hardest negotiations he's been a part of. I know that he switched agents like two weeks ago, mm. if if that. So it that might have been like a time crunch thing. Possibly. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, maybe I, part of it is getting that extension early because he had two years left. I mean, I don't, I don't know. But uh, as far as why it was one of the hardest negotiations, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is it Rosenhaus, like people are saying? In the oh, show? yeah, yeah. I think it is Rosenhaus. Oh. You're right. <laughs> Hired Rosenhaus two weeks ago and he gets a deal done. That's uh, your Rosenhaus for you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm trying to find questions in here, but these damn Raiders fans just start <laughs> spamming the chat. Like, uh, Question from J.E.O. What has Josh McDaniels done? Cheated to win games with the Broncos <laughs> and then quit on becoming Colts head coach. That is what Josh McDaniels has done. Thank you, J.E.O. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you expect Josh McDaniels to be a good offensive play caller, but the, I mean, you look at what he's kind of put his roster through. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of question marks there. Yeah. Um I mean, is, is he that good of an offensive play caller? Like, I don't know, some of the stuff. I I guess New England, like, starting to fall apart and being like, we'll do Matt Patricia and Joe Judge and whoever else we can <laughs> think of from five years ago as our offensive coordinator uh, makes him look better, probably. But, I don't know, those last couple of years weren't exactly great on offense for New England, um, yeah. even when Brady was there that last year. Um, so, I don't know. 
appreciate the super sticker from Frank Blakely. Always uh, in here supporting the show. Appreciate it. Um, looks like he asked a question right after, so we'll we'll get to that. He says, "How do we match up on our interior D line versus their interior offensive line?" I think that's the key. I think that is one of the keys as well. You know, that was something that uh, was my key matchup of the week was you know Jerry Tillery and Morgan Fox being able to get some uh, pressure along the interior offensive line. So um, I think the Chargers are set up well in this one in this matchup. I really do. I think you're talking about. Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson being able to win their matchups in the run game at a much higher level than what the Chargers defensive tackles had last year uh, against the Raiders. And then we'll see about the pass rush, man. I mean, John Simpson um, has not necessarily been a a super good player. He was uh, not bottom tier, but he was pretty close to it in terms of pressures allowed last season. Um, Andre James, we'll see about him. He's only been a center for one year. Uh, was about middle of the pack as a pass protector, according to Pro Football Focus. And then, uh, I mean, they're starting an undrafted free agent who has not played an NFL game in three years since coming out of college at right guard. So um, this is definitely a matchup that the Chargers should feel good about. Um, you know, how much that turns into pass rush production, we'll see. But in terms of stopping the run up the middle, I definitely feel good about where the Chargers are at this week. Yeah, I, I feel very good about it. Um, Lester Cotton and Andre James do not <laughs> keep me up at night um, in terms of our D-line versus their interior line. John Simpson, I think, is solid enough to kind of get by. Um, but, I mean, yeah, the the real problem for the Raiders on that offensive line, in my opinion, is just Jermaine uh, Illuminor. I mean, is that what they're going to go with? <laughs> I know we were I'll talking about him or Thayer Munford. Um, but yeah, Illuminor was a, a problem last year uh, when he was with the Dolphins in a pretty big way. So uh, I don't expect a lot uh, from their interior offensive line or their tackles um, at this point. I, I think Colt Miller will hold up fine, but the rest of it is is pretty patchwork at this point. Yeah. Um, we'll get to step of the faith. He wants to know how do the red zone offenses compare? So um, if you're talking about what the Raiders were under John Gruden, they were one of the worst red zone offenses in the league. Um, the Patriots last year were kind of middle of the pack when they were dealing with Cam Newton. They were one of the bottom teams in the league as well. Um, I want to say the Chargers were like ninth or 10th in like red zone touchdown percentage last year off the top of my head. Um, but I'm not super positive there. Yeah, um, obviously the Raiders' red zone offense is probably hit or miss the last couple of years, but, I mean, you're adding Devontae Adams. <laughs> um, so, I right. mean, that that part of it, when it comes to red zone offense, I think that pressure will be uh, alleviated. Obviously, Darren, Darren Waller can probably get a couple more plays where he's single-covered uh, in the red zone now or, you know, near the goal line. So, um, I actually think the Raiders' red zone offense will be pretty good uh as long as they're not running the ball and they're they're passing it in the red zone i think they'll kind of be fine um but yeah, yeah. i mm, which one would i say is better probably say until we see more um that i think the chargers uh red zone offense is better but probably not by a lot especially just considering what the raiders have added yeah, so uh, according to teamrankings.com, uh, the Chargers were fifth. They had the fifth highest touchdown percentage in the red zone in 2021 at 64%. Uh, for reference, the Bills were first at 66. 
Um, the Patriots not far behind last year with Josh McDaniels and Mac Jones and everybody. Uh, they were at eighth with, at 63%. Uh, and then the Raiders were all the way down at 29th at 49% last year. Um, yeah. Uh, John Gruden really got $100 million. Um, <laughs> well, I guess he didn't get all of it, but for, for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, 50 scoring a touchdown on less than 50% of your red zone trips. That's uh, that's really bad. Um, Ross Ackerman wants to know who is covering Keenan. So, um, when I talked to Evan Grote earlier this week, um, it sounds like Nate Hobbs is kind of their uh slot outside kind of hybrid player. Um, so he'll be outside on in base packages and then he'll move into the slot. Um, in nickel packages, the Chargers, of course, were one of the uh, highest ranking teams in terms of using 11 personnel, which is three receivers on the field. So if the Chargers continue to do that trend, we'll see a lot of nickel uh, and dime packages from the Raiders. So it, I expect to see a lot of Nate Hobbs on uh, Keenan Allen. And Raiders fans and Raiders reporters are very, very high on what Hobbs uh, is going to do this season. Yeah, for what it's worth, I'm high on Hobbs too. Um, I don't think he's gonna like completely dominate Keenan Allen or anything. Uh, and Keenan Allen's gonna get his wins, but but he was just really impressive um, as a player last year, especially considering how the rest of that, how much of a mess the rest of that secondary was. Um, you know, he definitely stood out in a big way. So yeah, and then I guess if you're talking about who's covering Mike Williams, that's probably gonna be Rockison, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm a little bit more curious in that matchup uh, just because Rocky Sin is a little bit smaller and undersized, especially compared to Mike Williams. Uh, I'm curious to see how that kind of goes on the uh, outside as well. Yeah, from everything that I can hear from uh, the Raiders reporters and writers that I follow, it sounds like the they are expecting a lot of like soft zone coverage, you know, they're preparing for uh, a lot of quick game from the chargers, a lot of, um, you know, stick concepts, which is what obviously what the chargers run a lot of. So, um, you know, this is definitely going to be a game where the chargers are going to have to throw into tight windows. The, the Raiders are going to just try and, and muck up the middle of the field. So um, this could be a potential Jalen Guyton game as well. Um, you know, if you want to get a little bit bold there, maybe he gets, you know, obviously he had the, deep touchdown pass against the giants last year maybe he gets over the top again this year we'll see but um it does sound like the raiders are not necessarily going to play a ton of man this week um anthony aguilar is gerald everett a fantasy start this week herbert does like to target tight ends did you you have everett in our league don't you or is that tight uh i think i have everett in our league yeah um I don't remember who the rest of my team is, to be honest. <laughs> um, I guess. I mean, if you're in a deeper league, he's probably a start. Um, yeah. If you're in like a 12, 14 team league. Uh, don't know how like reliable he's going to be throughout the year, uh, just from week to week. But um, it, it's if you don't have anyone better than ever, it's not a bad option. Kind of just like. Uh, I, I know I had Jared Cook in fantasy last year, and there were some weeks where that paid off and some weeks where it didn't. Um, so I think Gerald Everett, fantasy-wise, is kind of in the same position. Yeah, I, I was kind of avoiding Everett, at least to start the season, because I figured that Donald Parham would be pretty 
uh, have a pretty big role on this team. Um, and obviously we'll have to wait and see how that split kind of works out. Um, but I think you can feel good about starting Gerald Everett this week, depending on what your other options are. Like, obviously I'm not starting Gerald Everett over like one of the big four, but, uh, or the big five, I guess, if you're talking about Kyle Pitts as well. Um, but if you're, if you're deciding between like Gerald Everett and like, I guess he already played, but like, if you were debating between him and Dawson Knox, like I would have taken Gerald Everett or like Hunter Henry, that kind of crowd. Yeah. Um, over that kind of crowd, just because of the Justin Herbert factor, I'd probably pick Gerald Everett. Um, so if you have like a tight end eight to, and well, I feel like if you have like a tight end eight to 20, anyone like in that range is probably just like, depends on the week and depends on the matchup. But um, yeah. <laughs> Raiders Steven. fans think Rashawn Slater sucks. Like, what is happening here? He Steven, was an All Pro player as a rookie, a rookie All Pro left tackle. Like, <laughs> I'm speechless. I, I can't. <laughs> I cannot wait to see Rashawn Slater just clamp the shit out of Chandler Jones this weekend. It is going to be so glorious when when Rashawn Slater just dominates this matchup. Cannot wait. Yeah, he will. And then he tries to say, you don't watch football. We all see it. All right, guy. <laughs> Go listen to a Raiders podcast and get out of here. Yeah. Um, Tyler Billings wants to know, how much do you think Brain Fajoko or Otito Obonia play? I think one of them probably ends up being inactive because I don't think you can have all six defensive yeah. tackles active on game day. Um, I would assume that brain Fajoko is the choice to be active there. So I, I would, I would think he plays a good amount um, as they try and rotate and, and, you know, stop the run against the Raiders. Obviously um, Josh McDaniels does like to do heavy packages. So we could see a little bit more base defense than we uh, potentially think. So I think brain Fajoko will obviously not be a starter, but I think you see like 10, 15 snaps out of him. Yeah, I, I think Fajoko probably gets somewhere between 10, 20 snaps. Uh, Otito's probably the healthy scratch, I would assume, out of that um, defensive line group. Just because, I yeah, like you said, I don't I don't think they're going to roll with six defensive tackles tomorrow. Um, I'll just be curious to see, like, in future weeks, depending on, you know, what happens with injuries or, or stuff, whether they trust, um, you know, Otito as kind of that sixth player to, like, get promoted or whether they're a little bit more red shirt season with him and then, you know, bring up Christian Cummington or something like that when it comes to injuries um, in the defensive line room. So I'll be I'll be curious to see how that kind of plays through the season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Steven Gallard wants to know, what kind of things do you expect Joe Lombardi to show that we didn't see much of, if at all, last year? Um, I mean, what everybody complained about last year for a long time, like deep balls, I, I do think with this offensive line fully healthy as it is right now, um, the Chargers are going to have their opportunities, especially early on in the year to take those deep shots. I do think you will see them um, prediction pending on Trey Pipkins and seeing how he plays again. Uh, but I do think you will see uh, more more of the explosiveness I think that Chargers fans were kind of looking for and a little bit less, especially starting out of the gate, a little bit less dink and dunk tomorrow. Um, but I, I think throughout the season, obviously, that can kind of change. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't expect the passing game to change all that much. I do think, like you're saying, like I think they'll uh, be able to throw the ball deep more often. I think if you really watch the Chargers on tape last year, you you can see how worried that they were about the offensive line holding up on deep concepts last year. Um, Nate Tice has also pointed this out. You know, just the lack of uh, capable running back pass protectors as well as you know. Uh, tight end pass protectors, uh, which I kind of disagree with, but um, you know, Sony Michelle, I think, will play a big impact in that regard as well, and being able to uh, uncork some deep shots. And you know, I, I do think that we'll see more there in terms of like what we didn't see last year. I'm, I'm again, I'm just so curious about this run game because you have a, a different offensive line coach. Um, the Chargers last year really leaned into a lot of counter concepts as they kind of went throughout the season. Um, Corey Lindsley apparently is, is much more involved in, uh, you know, the game planning aspects of the, the offensive line. So, you know, the Packers do a lot of split zone inside duo inside zone. Uh, we could see that change as of course, as they kind of pivot from Michael Schofield to Zion Johnson this year. Um, so I, I do think we see the chargers rushing attack kind of evolve into more from what we've seen from the Packers over the last few years. Uh, in that regard, as they kind of really lean on Corey Lindsley's influence. Drew Rosenhaus is uh, busy today. He got uh, Jordan Poyer's uh, incentives from 500k to two mil this year. Damn, that's a nice, that's a nice <laughs> bump up. That is a nice bump up. <laughs> All right, we'll take a few more questions here, um, and then we'll uh, head out for the day. So. Uh, if you haven't asked a question yet, feel free to do so. Make it a good one. If you're a Raiders fan, stop talking. <laughs> Wrong Speedy says, how many games before Josh McDaniels quits and goes back to New England? Ooh. Eh, I'll give him a season. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, that's funny. Some Raiders receiver apparently is comparing us to Home Alone. What? Oh. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Good talk. Get better insults. All right. Um, someone asking about the birds. The birds only come out at night, you yeah. guys. It's not an, a, the, not an uh, afternoon the, problem. Yeah, I, I, I don't just like kill the birds during the day. They, get, <laughs> they, they only come out at night. So if, if it was a during the day problem, then uh, or if it was a during the day problem, we'd probably have issues on Saturday Q and A's. But uh, no, yeah. they only come out at night, which is yeah. when we record most of the time, which is great. Right um k rich had this question i thought it was interesting he said von miller had a major impact on the bills line in his debut is it fair to expect the same from khalil mack i would say that at this point in their careers von miller is the better player um mm -hmm. that double ghost move that he did against the tight end and again then against no boom to get the sack was freaking crazy yeah. um in terms of like the impact on the team like I don't think it's the same kind of conversation because the Bills didn't have 
a true like star player opposite of uh or they they the bills were a deep defensive line they were just missing a star player so right. i think vaughn opens up a lot more for them i mean obviously the chargers have joey bosa so it's not quite the same thing but i think Mack will absolutely have a good game on sunday and be a very mm-hmm. productive player this season yeah um fair to expect that from khalil mack i would say definitely fair to expect a big game but i mean if we're talking about von miller i mean von miller to me is um, one of the best pass rushers in the nfl um mm-hmm. i think he's over khalil mack at this point in his career and yeah like steven said the difference between what the bills pass rush was last year versus what it is with von miller uh, I don't think the Chargers are going to look that jarringly different uh, considering they already had Joey Bosa. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, like talking about Vaughn, like he takes all the double teams away, frees up a lot of one-on-ones. I think, you know, Khalil Mack will have that, uh, right. you know, impact on Joey, but I mean, Joey is the guy, Joey's the guy that people are still going to be, you know, focusing in on more so than Khalil, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Martinez, are we concerned at all about ASJ seemingly not taking CB2 by the horns? Um, A little bit. Um, I'm not worried to the point where it's like, you know, some like disaster sophomore season or anything. But um, I expected a little bit more from him um, in the preseason. Obviously kind of had the disappointing game early on against the Rams. Um Michael Davis did outperform him in the preseason and I think the latter stage of training camp as well. So I am a little bit concerned about it, but at the same time, I think for, for what his role is on this team this year um, that he'll do fine and, and adjust um, is a little bit of a problem right now though, considering the JC Jackson injury until he gets back. Yeah. It sounds like the CB2 thing was, was more about Michael Davis coming on strongly than it was like Asante playing poorly. Um, I'm a little concerned. I'm not like out on Asante. Like he was my, one of my uh, biggest breakout picks this year. I still think he can have a very good season and, and present a lot of value to this team. Um but I, I am a little concerned that he wasn't like clearly CB2. But I mean, yeah. if Michael, if it's because Michael Davis was right there with him, I don't think that's necessarily a yeah. problem. I think that speaks more about, you know, where Davis is at this year. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just, I'm curious to see kind of how he develops his, you know, kind of leverage on the outside this season. And then also how he just kind of like recognizes plays, his timing. I think if the game mm-hmm. kind of slows down for him, that would be a really good thing. Um, cause honestly you have seen some of those moments where ASJ does play like early stage Michael Davis, like when he first came into yeah. the NFL and, and had all the problems with, you know, turning his head around and, and making tackles. And then obviously Michael Davis got, uh, a lot better at both of those things. Uh, so I think, I, I think it'll all come for Dave, uh, for Asante Samuel Jr. in time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, unicorn slapper. Do you think Josh Palmer takes the majority of snaps with three receivers or is it going to be split pretty even with uh, Jalen Guyton and DeAndre Carter? Oh, I would say he takes majority of snaps. Um, and then Jalen Guyton and DeAndre Carter probably uh, rotate in, uh, depending on the packages. Uh, 
kind of depends on the game script though but i think josh palmer has shown them you know a lot especially towards the end of last year and everything we've been hearing in training camp that um he's he's that third guy pretty decisively over guyton and deandre carter but obviously guyton and deandre carter depending on the play are sort of a bit more situational so if the chargers have more opportunities for go balls and, and that type of thing. Then Jalen Guy will be the guy if the Chargers want to get a little bit craftier and use DeAndre Carter and your end arounds and all that kind of stuff, then he could see, you know, an uptick in play as well. Yeah, I think that's the right way to look at it. I think Palmer will probably take, you know, 65, 70% of the the snaps and three receiver sets. Um, Jalen Guyton and DeAndre Carter being situational players, like you said, um, they'll still have roles, right? But I mean, they are super high on where Josh Palmer is at this season. And I think um you know he could certainly challenge for you know like 750 800 yards this season and you feel really good about where he's at so um palmer's been that guy in training camp he's Jalen guy has played almost exclusively with like the second team offense i feel like um which ultimately kind of hurt where he was <laughs> at with like his production in training camp but um palmer's gonna be the guy and then Jalen guy and john Carter will kind of uh you know split those backup duties yeah, and as Nimbasabe points out, more yak opportunities for Palmer. I think, you know, we saw what he's able to do with the ball in his hands on that screen pass. And I would love for him to be kind of the focal point of uh, the swing passes and screen game as opposed to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. So uh, I'm all about getting Josh Palmer more involved in, in run after catch opportunities. Yep. All right, we'll take one uh, last question here um, from Anthony Vu. He says, do you think K-9 has a comeback year? Any news from training camp on him since he came back? So he missed uh, basically all the training camp. He started practicing uh, two weeks ago. So we haven't really heard a ton of news about him. Um, I did not listen to Ronaldo Hill's press conference this week, so I'm not quite sure if anybody asked about him. In terms of a comeback season, I... I'm not expecting that. I think that anything we get from Kenneth Murray is kind of a bonus at this point. Um, it, yeah, as Jorge points out, if he's a pleasant surprise, I'll absolutely take that this year. I, I don't think we need to be expecting a ton from Kenneth Murray this year. Yeah, and I think it's going to take him a while just to get back into the swing of things as well. Um, comeback year, no. Do I think if you know everything's kind of finally situated with his injuries and, and how his surgeries have played out, then just by that nature, he'll be better as well. Um, but yeah, obviously last year, both on and off the field uh, was just hell for Kenneth Murray. So I'd, I'd love to see a comeback season for him as a player. Um, just not something I would currently like predict if we were doing breakout candidates, which obviously we talked about uh, earlier this off season. Yeah, he was Tyler's breakout pick. I think if I remember correctly, um and listen man like i think we're all rooting for him but he's gonna be a backup this year um if people are healthy so i i know that he um is obviously hoping for more and if he's able to be a, a quality player for this team then fantastic but um i think this team's really excited about kyle Vanoy as a linebacker i think they really trust drew tranquil in a way that they don't trust kenneth murray at this point so i do expect tranquil to be the starter um and maybe kenneth murray gets some spot starts throughout the season but um you know we'll have to see where he's at next year next year obviously is going to be a crucial year because they've got to decide on the fifth year option after this season so uh we'll see what happens 
Yeah, um, particularly interesting after the Chargers finally turned down a fifth-year option with Jerry Tillery. <laughs> that, that Kenneth Murray is the guy potentially next year to make that decision one way or another. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, all right, that's going to do it for our Q&A today. Again, appreciate all the Raiders fans in here uh, supporting the, the Chargers podcast. We really just uh, had a great time watching your comments on the chat today. Um, all right, so we'll be going live tomorrow night uh, after Sunday night football. Um, we do have, uh, I have a, a schedule conflict after the game is over. So um, we'll be going live after Sunday night football. Um, we'll be able to kind of react to the game, hopefully have some uh, pro football focus stats as well in terms of coverages and pass rush output and pass blocking and all that good stuff uh, and be able to talk about it. So uh, Alex, any final thoughts before we head out for today, man? Yeah, no, the number of Raiders fans in here is weird. Uh, I, I didn't <laughs> expect the Wi-Fi in the prison like to be that good. Um, but no, uh, <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I, I hope that we have, uh, uh, well, if the Chargers win and everything goes according to plan, then I don't think we'll have this many Raiders fans in the chat tomorrow since they'll yeah. probably be in hiding. Uh, but if we do lose them, we'll be raided. So good, good to know. Uh, <laughs> very excited for the game tomorrow, obviously. Uh, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you guys are welcome in the chat anytime. If you come here on Sunday night, I probably will just end up blocking you at that point. So we'll see. It's all good. Um, all right. Appreciate everybody uh, supporting the show today. As always, if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, please leave us a rating and review. We always appreciate that support as well. And we'll see you guys tomorrow. Bolt up. <laughs>